0: And Welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Kreisel, and Diane I are your hosts every week right here on AM 1290, repeated at 11, and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates, and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and in Montecito's Upper Village. And Arlington financial advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution.
1: Well, hi, Neil. How are you?
0: Uh good, but you know, with the time change, I feel like it's like seven o'clock at night because they got up who knows when.
1: I know. Well, this past weekend we had a soccer weekend extravaganza. My son's team made it to the championship on Sunday. So it was soccer on Saturday, soccer on Sunday, and the reward for being in second place. Unfortunately, they lost the championship match, but they're headed down to Satipoy next weekend.
0: What's Satokoi?
1: It's right, it's just inland from Ventura. Oh, keep in mind, you don't go to Galita. You wouldn't know Ventura. That's <laughs> <laughs> just to let you know. <laughs> so we are thrilled to have with us Jason Lesh, who's the founder of Farm Cart Organics, and he and his wife have such a great story. Um, I can't wait to hear from him later on in the segment. But Jason, thanks for taking the time today.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.
0: So the first article is from today's New York Times, and um, it begins by saying enthusiasm for risky uh, corners of the market has sent stock indexes and cyber currency to records. Investors say it's surging inflation and the effect it has of suppressing returns on safe government bonds. Uh, And, you know, one of the uh, measures that they're looking at is the 10 year treasury inflation protection securities or tips that fell to a minus 1.2% on Friday, which means in essence, your, uh, purchasing power, uh, is declining over the lifetime of the bonds. And when you have a situation like that, uh, you end up where, uh, investors are chasing any way of keeping up with inflation. So, uh, Today, for example, gold rose. Uh, We still see this bull market in cyber currencies because uh, you have generally a view that uh, with interest rates low, because the Fed has not recognized that inflation is something that's going to continue. So you have low interest rates. At the same same time, you've got inflation. And that combination is causing people to have to... uh, uh, Push the envelope and take uh, inordinate risk. Yes, Diane?
1: Well, I was—I ju- was just joking. That's because the Fed keeps calling this inflation transitory.
0: Yeah. Well, it may be, but the—the the problem is that that you know people can't sit anything out. You know, one of the things about Warren Buffett that I always admired is that in 1999 and 2000, when uh, everything seemed to be going wrong for investors like him, he didn't do anything. He didn't care. And what the article doesn't mention, it, it the rationale for chasing uh, any type of return as opposed to just sitting it out because things w- probably will uh, will um, uh, reverse itself. And you know, this is again another uh, reason why we're seeing uh, cyber currencies hit record hit record levels.
1: It's true, and it, what's interesting is, is I think investors are going to find themselves. Um, when conditions change, you know, wishing that they had followed Warren Buffett's advice and just mm-hmm. stayed put
0: um, it, the second article I have um, is just more picking on 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 uh, Bitcoin. you know regular listeners to the show know that we don't like Bitcoin, of course we've been wrong for five years, but that won't stop us. Um, and the article talks about uh, this was in the weekend New York Times, how Ukraine has become a center for uh, Bitcoin mining and Bitcoin, uh, trading. And, uh, the idea that you're putting your money in a place where a leader in the business is Ukraine, um, is quite, uh, a leap of faith, um, as one of the most, uh, sophisticated, uh, and this is somebody they interviewed, uh, Uh, cyber traders in Ukraine said, this is a great place. You can kill a person and you will not go to jail if you have enough money and you're connected. And if you're not connected, it'll just cost you more. And here we have a country that is becoming a leader in Bitcoin. And, you know, to me, that's just one more indication of how crazy this phenomenon is.
1: It really is. And, you know, the, the, it, it almost gets outsized, Amount of uh, media attention because people are—it's it, the darling, if you will. It's something different than the boring stocks and bond conversation. But it, at the end of the day, I think people will see that it's the boring stocks and bonds that will give you the less, less, fewer ulcers over the years if you if you stick with it.
0: What What do you tell clients who come in and say they want to buy some?
1: I say we don't do it. Um, basically, I explain to them how. My viewpoint is, is that, you know, governments aren't ones to give up power and governments control currency. And so when you look at what happens with Bitcoin and Dogecoin, it's it's a very small percentage of the of um, of market cap. It's growing. However, how do you make money in it? And when it's when it's a, a tool for the underworld to really transact business.
0: Uh, And the next article is uh, another example of things changing, and it's uh, in the Wall Street Journal weekend edition as well, and it's entitled The 4% Nest Egg Rule is Cracking. Uh, conventional wisdom has always recommended that you spend about four percent of savings um, uh, for of your savings during retirement, and because of the general view that the stock market over the next twenty years is not going to be as robust as it was the last twenty years, um, there are many uh, financial advisors suggesting that the number should be reduced to three percent.
1: You know what's interesting about that is. <laughs> There was also an article, I believe it was in the Wall Street Journal that saying 4% is actually not the right number, because what if what you could spend 5%? What do you want your goals to be? Now, what I think is really important in that is it, not whether it's three or four or five, but that you're working with somebody to go through your specific situation to see what you personally can spend, not just what a, a rule of thumb would be.
0: Excellent point. Uh- the next article is, uh, about how, uh, stocks that become, uh, mem stocks and become outperformers can actually distort indexes. And this particular article talks about Avis and Avis, which was basically a company on its last legs two years ago, um, now accounts for one-third of the Dow Jones Industrial Transportation Average. And as a result, its movement has essentially made the index really sort of uh, not very representative of what's going on in transportation stocks. And, and this is true, by the way, this wasn't in the article, but, but it's true as well with the S&P. Because Tesla has become such an important part of the S&P that movements in Tesla and other stocks such as, you know, other stocks like Facebook are essentially distorting the indexes. And uh, it's not representative of what all stocks are doing. And therefore, some portfolio managers are just not keeping up with um, their, uh, uh, what they're competing against because they just don't own a couple of stocks that they just don't like.
1: Yeah, and and you want to know what over time you'll always see some some companies in that out, either outsized or undersized position in the S and P, and so you know it, it's important that you when you when you measure yourself against that basket that you also are including even companies that you don't like if that's your if that's your benchmark that you're measuring yourself against.
0: Um, and the final article is um, from the tax report column in the Wall Street Journal and um, it's talking about the proposal that uh, we saw two weeks ago from congress that um, has uh, really uh, asked a a question that no one had asked before we all assumed that taxes are paid when gains are realized and for the first time congress took took a serious whack at that concept and uh, began talking about uh, taxing gains that hadn't been realized yet in order to be uh, to, to get part of that huge chunk of money that billionaires seem to be keeping through various ways that avoid taxes. And um, the, the article says, look, it may not happen now, but it's something that we all have to take a look at because with, you know, large deficits and unwillingness to, you know, tax the middle class, uh, once again, there may be talk about, you know, taxing unrealized gains would really change the whole paradigm of investing
1: it really would i you know it's hard to imagine a place where you're taxed every year on whatever your investment went up um, I think that that would be a um, a real challenge for the irs to actually get through and understand and figure out how to do I, I i you know it's it's hard for me to imagine a world in which that happens
0: uh you're listening to money talk on am 1290 kZsB and we'll be right back Oh,
3: The Land Trust for Santa Barbara County conserves natural resources, agricultural land, and open spaces for the benefit of present and future generations. Here's Executive Director Meredith Hendricks.
1: What we're trying to do at the Land Trust is protect land forever. Agriculture, conservation, habitat, recreation. Our mission is to sustain the beauty and the habitat, the recreation, and the agriculture values throughout Santa Barbara County, every part of it. We'd love to have you sign up for our newsletter and our electronic newsletter. You can do that through our website, sblandtrust.org. We love telephone calls and and also write me a handwritten note if you'd prefer and I'll write you back. Our website is the best place to sign up for regular updates about our work, sblandtrust.org.
3: To learn more about the Land Trust for Santa Barbara County and their efforts to preserve natural resources and agricultural land, go to sblandtrust.org or call 805-966-4520. Wildfires burn millions of acres each year. And each year, wildland firefighters like Fire Chief James Hall battle to contain them. But they can't do it alone.
2: A single ember that escapes from a wildfire can travel more than a mile. It can ignite and destroy your home, your community, or more. That single ember can be just as dangerous as the wildfire itself. But you can do something firefighters can't. You can act now to prepare your home and your community for wildfire. You can reduce the risk. Do your part. Go to fireadapted.org.
3: Get fire adapted. Learn what you can do now to reduce wildfire damage later at fireadapted.org. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Learn more at fireadapted.org.
0: Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, I'm a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to his customers in a personalized and honest manner.
1: And we can be reached at 805-564-1290 or email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. If you're just joining us, we have the pleasure of having Jace, Jason Leash with us, who is the fa- founder of FarmCart Organics. He and his wife, Catherine, founded um, FarmCart and it is it's just such a great concept. And Jason, tell us about what FarmCart Organics is.
2: Well, thank you, Diane. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate your time. Um, we are a second generation local organic business that was started by my wife's father, Tom Shepherd. Um, he started organic farming here in the 70s. And he was a original CSA farmer. CSA is community supported agriculture. We inherited his community supported agriculture business about 12 years ago, and we have grown it as farm cart organics. We've looked to make it more convenient and more inclusive by including more of the local farmers than just his farm or our farm. And we've expanded into being a Direct to the door organic grocery delivery business in Santa Barbara and Ventura County that only provides the best organic farm material, farm produce and fruits from farms that we vet and organic products from from producers that we trust and believe in.
1: So, tell me, how did you get? Uh, how did you become interested in organic farming?
2: So, me personally, I'm interested in fundamental businesses. And I'm interested in fundamental sustainable businesses and I'm interested in fundamental sustainable businesses and how they're going to exist in the long term in a changing society with major outlying environmental pressures being placed on them. So I was a meteorologist um, by education, I was interested in doing global warming research when I decided that I didn't want to do anything in the research space and I really wanted to get back out into the real world, I looked at things that I could dedicate my life to. And one of the things that, well, and the thing that I've chosen to dedicate my life to is to dedicate my life to a foundational business and foundational organic agriculture is really, you know, at the core of almost all of the issues on earth. And so So
1: a joke about meteorologists, but in our house yes. we always say that they're they're usually wrong. How how do you work with the land given that we're in such a drought um, situation here in, in Santa Barbara County? And you know, do you find yourself using those skills of you know weather forecasting and the Farmer's Almanac to try to to try to um, you know regulate the cycles of, of what you can expect at the farm?
2: So I mean, the one thing I really know is that I don't know anything and being young and you know as like you know a technologically educated meteorologist our skill level is was really limited to the mathematical formulas and how well they could forecast a three-dimensional environment and so immediately that math gets so freaking complicated that it becomes obsolete to a degree so you know i i take in everything that's around me I try to observe and I try to observe with a young mind, which doesn't really know anything. And so it's just like a long learning game. So really for us, you know, I am, which is why farm card organics has become so much more inclusive with all of the outside farmers is we're always looking to the elders to educate us on what this means. I mean, is this a never ending drought cycle? What did you guys see in the eighties? What did you see in the seventies? did you guys see in the sixties? How do you see these changes actually being manifested? Is this something to really be fearful of or not. And for the most part, we don't really know. You know, we are hopeful every year that we're gonna have a rainy season. And we're sad every year when it goes away. You know, we're super hopeful this year. It's been cold, it rained early, the soil moisture has stayed high in the cold and in the fog. Everything has germinated. We've seen a lot of you know natural growth in the hills and the fire regions, and so we're optimistic that you know, we get a few more rains behind this. We're gonna have a percolation event. We're gonna see some groundwater rebuilding. We could potentially get out of a drought, but it's hard to say because, you know, here the one thing I did learn in meteorology is that, you know, the, the system's always changing the earth is always changing. Things are going through massive cycles and, you know, in a Mediterranean climate, we are one of the first areas to really adjust to changing cycles. And so long as short, I don't know. <laughs>
1: So when when you see what's forecasted for for the for the year in terms of weather, does that does that uh, change at all what you d- decide to plant?
2: You know, I don't really. I mean, being a trained meteorologist, I understand that El Nino is meaningless. While Nina classifications are you know generally really difficult. You're talking about trying to like label things. You know, I read the Farmer's Almanac. We, you know. I don't think that there's forecasting that's accurate enough to sway your gut. And I I think that, you know, what comes with farming is I'm just starting, you know, I've only been farming for 10 years. I can't even really say I'm a farmer because mostly I'm a businessman in this position where I'm taking other people's farm products and working with other farmers. And, you know, I'm only directing a small percentage of our farmland. And so... So
1: so let's transition for a minute into um, the the farm cart. So, your your father in law gifted you and your wife uh, a cart, and that you set it up in Carpinteria, and that was the farm cart where you started to sell produce from the cart. What um, what prompted you to to turn it into more of a, a CSA where there are boxes, and then we can talk a little bit more about the marketing of that.
2: So when when he gave us the farm cart and we opened up back in his original location that they had been away from for five years on carpentry avenue we were a pickup spot and my wife was managing tom Shepard's csa at the time so our arrangement was that we worked on the farm with him we managed his csa we did all of our harvesting for the farm stand there and we were an extension of shepherd farm at the farm cart and then Within about six months, Tom had to move from that farm in Carpinteria and out to Buellton. So all of his CSA customers that he had and all the members, they stayed with us at the farm stand and started working with us on our farm and you know the other farms that we started working with then too. And so it was kind of a natural evolution just to continue trying to meet the needs of the people who had been so loyal to him and then became loyal to us. And that's kind of where the CSA evolved, you know, it's like, it's really awesome for us as farmers and people who are in a business that's really loyal to the farmers to have a consistent customer base that's predictable. It really, in agriculture, it's incredible to know that you have a couple hundred clients that are going to be with you every day of the year. And they're going to understand when your bok choy gets hammered and when your broccoli is coming up short and they're invested in your whole story and they're invested in your box. And so, we we discontinued with that because it's such a core good thing that was created in agriculture.
1: And so, how did you decide to take it to the next level and include other farmers besides just the Shepherd Farms?
2: Well, once you like really want to learn how to farm, you immediately reach out to everybody out there because Tom has his farming practice. And Tom will be the first one to tell you that, like, he doesn't know everything. And so then, you know, but but then he'll say, like, hey, go meet Chris Thompson. And he'll say, go meet John Givens. And then John Givens will say, hey, you should go meet Cho- Chewy and Jesus Salas at Sunrise. And, you know, and then the Sunrise guys will, like, hey, you should go, you know, meet Alex Frecker and Jose Alcantar. And, you know, before you know it, you have a network of guys that are all doing things that you – believe in and doing them in in different ways and so you're trying to you know build an inclusive system with them because you know the agriculture especially organic agriculture is at this scale everybody really has each other's backs because it's a difficult endeavor everyone's loaning each other equipment everybody's like you know when when Alex gets a deal on fertilizer he passes it to Jose when Jose gets a deal on drip tape he passes it to Alex when somebody's short on a labor, so it's it's not really counterintuitive to be not in competition but more trying to support one another
0: you're listening to money talk on am 1290 kzsb and we'll be right back
1: Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805 699
3: The Greater Santa Barbara Hispanic Chamber of Commerce is the premier advocate for the Santa Barbara County Hispanic business community. Here's Miguel Avila.
2: The Hispanic Chamber primarily is the Latino-owned businesses. They need uh, advocates, they need lobbying, they need representation. We are very active creating, generating events for networking. And while you're networking, socializing, having fun, you are at the same time taking care of business. For the last past 10 years, there's been a 34% growth in Latino-owned businesses. Latino women are the leaders, number one leaders in all this growth. And the fastest growing population in this country is the Latino population. And we all consume, you know, and we all look after our families. So all of that is
0: translated
1: into contributing to the economy.
3: To learn more about the Greater Santa Barbara Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, check out the website at gsbhcc.org or call 805-896-0851.
0: Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. Who are your clients, by the way? Are they all individuals who like at, like at the uh, farmer's market or any of them institutional buyers?
2: So we used to have a lot of institutional clients. Initially our, our farm box program was based around dropping off at institutional clients. So we were delivering a lot to Patagonia, LinkedIn, Procore, um, the, many, many of the schools. We have a school fundraiser program where we deliver boxes to individual clients through the schools. And then um, the French press group um, doing coffee, we drop at all of their locations. Um, yoga studios in Ventura and Newberry Park. But since COVID, and since most of those businesses contracted or started doing a lot of work from home stuff, um, COVID really changed our model to being a direct to consumer. And so we we had about 800 members prior to COVID. First week of COVID, we dropped to 200. And then we went from 200 to 2,000 home deliveries in a little under five weeks. And so... In those five weeks, we really scrambled to become a last mile delivery company. To make so, sure.
0: so d- does that change the business model in the sense that profit margins can be higher because I presume you'll charge an individual more than an institution?
2: Um, well, it was. I guess it, institution is kind of the wrong word. It was individuals through the institutions. So we 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 sell produce and we provide produce to uh, to some schools but generally we've always been to the individual. And so with individual, but, you know, the thing, we run a pretty lean program. Um, One of the main ways that we've really kind of become as successful as we are and have the numbers that we are is we run on low profit, on low margins, and we run on volume. And so, you know, I treated the delivery side of the business as a separate business because I always wanted to spin it off and have someone else do it. And so the delivery business runs on a, on a low margin, the boxes, the base box runs on a certain margin, and then the groceries are all marked up, you know, on the low end of standard grocery markup.
0: And, and what about the, you know, we haven't talked about the composting uh, buckets that um, people uh, receive, put in their mm-hmm. uh, food, and then you take it away and you they compost about it. Is that a profit uh, center or that's just a service to the community?
2: It's a service to the community, 100%. It's not a loss, but it's not a profit center in any form or shape. Um, You know, the reason we're in agriculture really is because there's agriculture causes so much harm and agriculture also has the possibility to create so many solutions. And one of the big solutions and one of the things that's been really difficult to watch is just the American disability to handle our waste and so you go somewhere like japan where they live on an island they've lived on an island for thousands of years the island's not going anywhere there's no new island there's no new land there's nowhere else to take their trash they do not have food waste problems they don't have plastic waste problems they recycle reuse and reutilize all of that But here in the US, when you talk to, you know, the trash distributors, they say that almost 60% of the waste that they receive in their mixed trash is organic waste that should just be composted because, you know, and here's my meteorology, global warming researcher in mind. Once you bury all that crap in an anaerobic landfill, it becomes methane and it creates about the same amount of greenhouse gas as, you know, a significant percentage of animal agriculture. But all of that food scraps, you bring it to my farm, you cook it, you mix it with dry material and it creates incredible microbial life that the earth is just desperate for. And so for us, I need compost. I have drivers, I have a car, the green waste is not being captured. You know, I, my drivers would like more hours. I would like more compost. Hopefully there's people that would like to not bury their, you know, compostable materials in the landfill. And lo and behold, Better Bucket was born. And, you know, we have a lot of beautiful compost being made on the farm now. Going back to the individuals who are giving us the supplies every quarter, they get a bucket back of compost that they're urged to immediately use on their property and in their gardens because they have to send us back that bucket the next week.
0: And one of the things that uh, I don't know if people appreciate, but living in a town like Santa Barbara almost everyone has pets and composting is very difficult when you have pets because the animals will dig up the compost the idea behind your uh uh, service is you put it in a bucket and it's safe Uh, no yes you're shaking your head
3: yes
2: 100
0: percent yeah so uh, i'm a customer as you know what
1: he's trying to say is some animals are better behaved than others neil
0: well it's it's tough to, with any any animal to to put food in the ground and expect them not to dig up your lawn oh uh, my gosh. You the just, way that see my
2: dog at the compost pile that we have he just thinks he went to heaven
0: Yeah, <laughs> right so anyway jason's uh uh service which is you know really very uh 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 unique in town here is that they they give you a, a clean bucket every friday and uh you fill it up and they take it away and it's it's a a great service and it provides the ability for people to participate in an economic ecologically positive way without really doing much work
2: exactly i mean because that's that's the whole thing is like we're not all on a farm i mean diane you know like when you were living on a farm it was easy to compost because you have land and you have an area that you can cordon off. But when we're living in the city and we're living in a town and we're conscious and we're understanding, you know, for me, I was guilty feeling every time I'm throwing something away that I know can be reutilized. And so, you know, this is a win-win for all of us. I think Um, I don't know how, you know, hopefully the municipalities are are catching up quickly and this is not going to be an area that, I'm forced to grow and take care of because the food waste problem in homes is huge, and none of it should be getting buried.
0: You know, I had as a guest uh, on another show um, about two, three weeks ago, who runs the Santa Barbara recycling, recyclable plant up uh, up north. At Tejiggis. Yes, and uh-huh. he said he said it was very interesting that if you recycle uh, in you know the in the blue buckets that. Marborg gives you, and you don't clean the container. Uh, it's just gonna. It's just useless. And so there's so much education that needs to be done. I didn't even realize that. I I, I knew it had to be semi-clean, but it really has to be clean. If you throw in wet paper or uh, paper with food on it, it's 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 just becomes garbage.
2: Yeah, and it's. I mean, that's the biggest thing, and that's kind of what we're working with with EJ Harrison and Marborg you know, in their next phase rollout, you know, because starting January 1, food waste in municipalities needs to be collected.
1: So, so Jason, are, are you working with Marborg on what your program is so that then they can implement a program? Or when you say working with Marborg, what does that mean?
2: So Marborg and E.J. Harrison both, um, you know, they offer services in Santa Barbara and Ventura County. They're both being mandated to provide food waste services to all of their customers you know coming in this next fiscal year so it's gonna i don't know exactly how it's going to roll out with them but we're you know they approached us they're interested in what we're doing and then you know on the flip side we're real i'm really interested to see how they what difficulties and like how we can fit in and support the bigger rollout
0: are they going to be doing composting as well with the, with the uh food
2: so ej harrison does composting um ej harrison already had you know air, there's two di- types of composting there's aerobic which has air and there's anaerobic which does not have air and so the tahegus landfill is now you know set up they're going to turn their their anaerobic comp their anaerobic digester on and so all of the food scraps collected by Marborg are going to go through an anaerobic process. The What I'm hearing is the process that E.J. Harrison in South County, what they're going to be doing is they're going to be wind rowing and doing compost in a similar manner to the way I do it out on the bigger lemon branches. They have a composting facility that's been sitting dormant out closer to Saticoy.
0: So is that going to compete with you? So am I going to not... Want your service once they start doing it here? I mean,
2: hopefully, hopefully, Neil, they put me out of business immediately and they handle (laughs) this freaking problem professionally and do this real, and all food scraps get diverted from the landfill. Like, it's stupid that I am doing this. I mean, like, like, this is such a ridiculously large problem for me with five delivery vehicles and, you know, an organic food service to have to be the only one taking off.
0: You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290, KZSB, and we'll be right back.
2: If you have trouble handling your
0: anger, get help. If someone you love is hurting or scaring you, get help. There is a full-service domestic violence agency in Santa Barbara County, which offers emergency shelter, counseling, transitional housing, anger management, and teen outreach programs. Its name is Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County. Call their 24-hour helpline at 964-5245. Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County, putting an end to domestic violence.
3: Did you know that domestic violence sends more than 500 women and children to emergency shelters every year? There is a place where all family members affected by domestic violence can get help. Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County. With four 24-hour phone lines to help. In Santa Barbara, call 964-5245. In Santa Maria, call 925-2160. In Lompoc, call 736-0965. And in San Ynez, call 686-4390. We can help him too. Hi, I'm Eddie Taduri. I'm the founder of the Rhythmic Arts Project or TRAP as it's better known. I wanted to tell you a little bit about the work we've been doing during this time of Corona. Our virtual classes have been reaching out and inspiring students around the world, as well as right here at home. Our primary objective is to promote the inclusion of people with different abilities, as well as their typical peers in all aspects of everyday life. Like everyone struggling to make ends meet in our nonprofit world, we depend on donations from folks like you. Please review the website at traplearning.org and give what you can. I'm very grateful.
0: Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about.
1: So, as we were talking on the break, Jason, you know, we realized we're forgetting your newest business venture. Let's talk about the restaurant. And I know that my friends down in Carpinteria were so excited to see it open. They were begrudgingly, you know, leaving the ice cream at Foster freeze behind. And so tell us about the restaurant.
2: Um, So we, my wife has always wanted to have a restaurant. You know, I really am passionate about the farming and the hands in the dirt. And, you know, she being, you know, a second generation, poor sharecropping style farmer, she wants to leave that a little bit behind. And she's really passionate about getting the food prepared after it's been cleaned off the farm and she is a really, really talented, you know, she's not a trained chef, but she really has a good eye and a good taste for food. And so um, she's been on the hunt for a restaurant space for, you know, the last six years. And we've been toying with this, you know, and talking with our farm cart customers forever and just kind of waiting for, you know, as she puts it, she's like, the right one's going to come. And, Sunday, about 18 months ago, a sign got put up on the Foster Freeze building that it was for lease and it was raining that Sunday. And I remember her saying, you need to go get this for me now, go. And she unleashed me and I went after it and we were able to swoop it out kind of luckily, You know, I don't know, luckily or what, from hamburger habit. And we were given a long-term lease and blessing from the Petit family who have owned that building and ran Foster Freeze in Carpinteria since the 80s. And we spent you know, 12 months during COVID putting every cent we'd ever saved plus some into the building and we opened up our farm to table, fast casual cafe, The Good Plow mm-hmm. uh, about six weeks ago. And um, it's been a roller coaster. <laughs> ever since you know my family ran restaurants my mom's been in the restaurant business forever um restaurants are tough but we are in the perishable food business and we are in the perishable farm food business and once you understand what's happening in farming and you understand what is in your food that you're eating out at restaurants once you become educated about the food system it's next to impossible to eat out and not feel like you're being poisoned. And so we are really looking to bridge that gap where we just bring clean, flavorful, healthy, fresh, safe food in an affordable manner to as many people as we can.
1: So,
0: does your menu vary based upon what you have uh, available that day?
2: It doesn't vary daily. Um, We do weekly specials. We, we hold a consistent menu, a consistent base menu that we can do year round. And so we design that menu around, you know, one local cow, local rockfish and the vegetables and fruits that we have year round. And then we do specials for dinner and specials for lunch based around what's actually available that week and that month. So we design recipes kind of weekly for, in that manner. But we try to have a consistent base.
1: Now, do you think Steve Sprinkle up in Ojai um, helped, helped realize, you know, when he opened his Farmer and the Cook, I guess, his restaurant up in Ojai, did that help Catherine really say, this is doable? Oh,
2: yeah. We, we look to Steve a lot. Steve is an awesome, awesome dude. And he, you know, really is, he um, has definitely shown what is possible and what is needed. And you know, Steve is a is a a peer of Katie's father, Tom. They've been friends forever. They started farming at the same time, and so yeah, we're 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 just really looking to continue those guys' legacy.
1: So tell us, you you said you know you've been open for about six weeks, and it's been a real roller coaster. So what have been the biggest challenges and the visit, biggest you know cele, celebrations that you've seen in the last six weeks in the restaurant business?
2: Um sorry, it's been such a roller coaster. I don't want to get myself in any trouble by offending anybody that's been pushed out of it since we started. But uh, we had some staff that that we had put a lot of trust in in the beginning that just did not, we shouldn't have put trust in. And, you know, getting them to move on and get out of the way and getting our vision back and, and being, and really, you know, jumping aggressively back in, you know, hand to mouth about three weeks ago and fixing everything again, and really getting us back on path to to fulfill our vision has been really fulfilling. Um, it's been really, really tough because, you know, like I said, we, we spent all of our money, we invested everything. We put all of our cards back on the table and we opened with nothing, with no reserves, which is the absolute riskiest place to be at. And so, you know, most people say like, you're not going to be profitable for two years, but You know, we've been profitable in our core business from day one, and that's only because profit was how we ate. And so we run, we have to run really tight numbers. And so it's been really fulfilling and super difficult to tighten up everything, make sure. And, you know, I think one of the hardest things was opening at the peak of the season and then, you know, getting so much hype and press and then having the winter start immediately afterwards. And so well, it's
1: been, I've got to imagine though that you have a lot of um, local following because there has been so much buzz around the locals um, with the good plow that you know I am I'm, I'm confident that the Carpenterians will will keep you in business through the winter.
2: we are so blessed to have you know this local community, you know.
1: And so, what would you recommend? What's your what What's your favorite um, item on the menu?
2: You know, I'm I'm still super addicted to the. Um, the fried oyster mushroom bon me sandwich. Ooh. It's you know it's just like I, I traveled Asia a lot and I'm really I, I really like the sweet and the salty and the savory and the little bit of spice and like I love that sandwich because you know there's no meat in it but it but it gives you that like that meat feeling satisfaction because of the fried corners of the oyster mushrooms being quite just nice and crispy and then you know the like salty spicy oh, I, I really like that sandwich a lot
0: so the so the 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 farming business is one that you imagine uh the proprietor gets up way before sunrise and the restaurant business is a business that uh can end when it's very very dark out yeah. so you've got both ends of the of the day pretty well taken care of uh how uh, do you still see? Ever see your wife?
2: So we're we're a partnership. Like this business is a hundred percent both of us. We are, you know, we have we have business, and then we have two small kids. And you know, it's she's either up at four thirty and out the door, and I'm handling the kids, or she's pushed me out the door. You know, really, I'm I'm way more viable in the evening. She's way more viable in the morning. So we we've kind of adjusted our scene so that we have. You know, two full-time people as best we can, and we still have, you know, children that are being raised well and feeling like they're loved by their parents.
0: And the, and and the COVID restrictions on restaurants—how has that affected you in terms of outdoor versus indoor delivery service? How do you how do you uh, are navigating the whole COVID situation?
2: So I like regulation to the degree that it's nice to know exactly what the rules are, um and. The COVID situation has been pretty good to us because we were able to use our restaurant license to deliver beer and alcohol through our our farm box business. So there there have been definitely some pretty awesome advantages. Um, we were able to get our patio open and approved much easier than we would outside COVID. And then you know it, the restrictions have, have died down so much now that there's not a whole bunch of spacing issues. It's more of just Everyone needs to wear their mask.
0: You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB. And we'll be right back with our final segment.
1: When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans.
2: When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When
1: I grow up, I want to be
3: a glass countertop in a new home. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's best birthday present. When I grow up, I want to be a football stadium. When I grow up, I want to be a warm place on a cold day.
2: I grow up, I want to be a fancy back I want to be a bike that races around the country. When I grow
3: up, I want to be a bench on a forest trail. I want to be a rocking chair on a sunny porch. I want to be a
2: skyscraper.
3: I
1: want to be a. I want to be
3: a. I want to be want to be I want to be I want to want to be
1: When I grow up. I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be.
3: Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. a public service advertisement brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. The Nature Track Foundation fosters a lifelong fascination with nature by taking school kids on outdoor field trips. Here's Holly Klein.
2: Nature Track takes children out of the schoolroom and they put them onto the trails or beaches with docents who have a love of the outdoors and also expertise in different things in the outdoors. And for half a day, those kids are learning about nature, not just nature, but about conservation and about preservation of what it is that we have. And some of these kids, they never had to try to make their way across a stream. They've never turned over rocks and looked at the worms and the bugs and the things that are underneath it. And this is, by the way, free of cost. It doesn't cost the school anything. It doesn't cost the parents anything, not even transportation. Nature Track takes care of everything.
3: To learn more about the Nature Track Foundation, to volunteer, or to make a donation, go to NatureTrack.org. That's NatureTrack.org. Or call 805-866-2047.
0: Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence.
1: And so, Jason, you know, on the break, we were talking about um, the local CSA boxes versus um, versus the big conglomerates that are VC backed and how they're they're coming to to see if there's business here in Santa Barbara for them. When we when when we were talking about it, you you really I think struck a chord which is very Santa Barbara of harmony of all the locals kind of working together to kind of be back the the Goliath, the Goliath and David story if you will. So have you been in conversations with other local CSAs of how you can work together or is that just your nature?
2: Um I'm in one conversation right now. Um with a lady that works in Newberry Park and we're, we're, we're kind of just trying to put together the framework of it because you know it's one of those things that my I don't want to be displacing the business of the local farmers and the local you know individual CSAs because you know we're our mission statement and our objectives are the same but I don't want to see the bigger, you know, VC back people who have, you know, an ever expendable amount of marketing money come in and do what they've done so many times to the small farmers, which is, you know, come in, hype up, build up. And then when they don't get their thing profitable, they collapse. And the people who are left behind with their unpaid invoices are always the small guys. You know, we shared a warehouse space with a company that did that. And, you know, the guys that we were trying to collect, money for were, you know, the small Hispanic farmers that, you know, they just like fall through the the cracks. And so there's a lot of interest in this space. There's a lot of interest in the tech space and bringing grocery delivery, CSA delivery direct to the consumer. But it's Silicon Valley interest. And it's like you guys are talking about, you know, these these investments are super risky. Most of them fail but they don't fail because of lack of money brought into them. They fail because they're never able to be profitable in their ever-expanding nature, and in their ever-expanding nature, they crush a lot of us small people.
1: And so so for people out there listening, because I do think your story is very compelling, if, they, if they're interested in getting a box delivered to them or a bucket for their compost, how, where, what's the best way for them to reach you? Farm Go cart- into the restaurant and order a meal <laughs> and then. <laughs> okay.
2: uh, farmcardorganics.com is, is, is our website. Everything is on there. Uh, what we do is on there. Link to the com, which is our separate little website for the Better Bucket where you can sign up for Better Bucket. But, um, you know, farmcardorganics Organics, if you're interested in getting, the cleanest, most transparent food from the best farmers delivered to your house. So that's where it's at. We got membership starting at twelve fifty, going up to $35. Um, you know, I like getting a small membership and really building my groceries from there. And then you have full control. We've got nice drivers that deliver to your house. And, you know, and the, the goal as we expand is to, you know, really bring in the like-minded businesses and work together with them. And so we'll see how this, you know, potential relationship goes with narrative foods. And if we can figure out how like that in a way that we can support them, then, you know, hopefully this will be more of a model where we can offer it and, you know, make it so we can compete as smaller businesses with the bigger guys.
0: Well, thank you, Jason, uh, for Uh, being a great guest. Uh, Thank you for your mission and thank you for doing my bucket every week. Uh, And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk and we'll see you all next week.
2: It's...